Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax. I don't have a title for my message today. (laughs) Y'all know how I am. I don't always come up with titles. But we're going to talk about how angry and frustrated everyone is over the whole vaccine issue. But we're not going to talk about it very long. It is very late Saturday as I record this. I apologize. The podcast is so late again and again. I have... Uh, a huge project going on right now that um, y'all don't know about because the Lord has not given me permission to tell you about it yet. But when he tells me that I can, then I will, and then it will make perfect sense, and you will understand, I promise. So I apologize it's taken so long. Okay, so this whole vaccine thing's really bad. I just heard today from my friend Cheryl that um, truck drivers for, I guess, corporations— have to take the vaccine or quit their jobs by like, I don't know, November 1st or something. You know, when the truck drivers stop driving, all the store shelves are going to start emptying out. So that's really a problem for everybody. We need to pray for them. And other people are quitting their jobs. Um, We heard about some people quitting in a fire department and some other people that are just going, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. I'm not putting that in my body and I don't blame them. I don't. We're not going to get into the whole pros and cons of the vaccine because basically it's all cons, in my opinion. I'm not qualified to talk about that. But also, I wouldn't care to have the black SUVs and the men in the little black suits to show up at my house, which they showed up at someone's house not long ago that y'all know. But I won't be telling you that story. I want to remind you, though, the Lord has told us more than once that when this time came, that there would be prayers that we would pray that he would not be able to answer no matter how great our faith was. And these are some of those prayers to make this stop. You know, yes, we would like to make it stop, but he has told us that all scripture has to be fulfilled, that the end may come so Jesus can come back. So I want you to think about this. I know, (laughs) I know because I've talked to some of you that the vaccine issue gets you fired up and hey, I'm not real thrilled with it either. Okay. I'm watching my country go down the tubes, just like you're watching yours. And, and we all know, we all know what the score is. We all know what's coming down the pike for Christians. Okay. We're not hiding from any of that. But y'all who know me well know I don't spend any time thinking or talking about anything I cannot do anything about because it is a waste of time and energy. There have been many things in my life I couldn't do anything about. I don't like to waste time. So I want to talk about if you're going around and you're just (laughs) wearing your friends out, ranting about the vaccine or talking about it incessantly, let's talk about what you're not doing. If you're ranting about the vaccine or or talking, either way you want to put it, you're not praying, okay? You're not praising God. You're not representing Jesus if you're ranting all the time, and you're not focusing. You're also losing spiritual ground the whole time you're spending day after day after day doing that, okay? We become off-center when we get too focused 
on a big problem like that or on someone who's, you know, done us wrong. And is the government doing us wrong? Yes, of course they are. But it is what it is, guys. When you get off center, you are becoming vulnerable to attacks by the enemy, which you really don't need any time, but especially in this time, okay? And you're losing valuable time that you could spend interceding for the lost or winning souls or doing something that would have um, a good effect and, and that would store up eternal treasure. And you don't want the men in the black suit showing up at your house, do you? So today we're going to talk about, guess what? Anger. Because a lot of people are getting into that over this issue. And if it would get you anywhere, I would say more power to you, but it's not going to get you anywhere on this. When you continually get upset over any issue, this one or any other issue, you risk opening the door to a spirit of anger. Anger was the first spirit I ever got delivered of. I was in T.D. Jakes' church, and he did a mass deliverance from uh, the pulpit, and I felt it leave. I stood up to receive that, and I felt it leave. And I had never experienced anything like that before. That was in 1998 when I was first in Dallas. And it was really a good feeling. Of course, not understanding spiritual warfare, it didn't take me very long before uh, I did something to let it back in. Have y'all ever known somebody that was just angry all the time? Every time you talk to them, they're angry about something or they're angry at someone. And they thrive on anger. They're easily offended and bitterness just pours out of them whenever they open their mouths to speak. Someplace in their past, anger started as hurt in his offense. Luke 17.1 Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. So if offenses are going to come, and if they can lead us to live a lifetime of being angry, and to other worse things that we know how to handle. We need to know how to handle them, don't we? We're talking about anger, but we're also going to talk about offense. One of the reasons is because offense is a spirit, especially that attacks new Christians, but sometimes very mature Christians get attacked with it too. And if you start getting offended all the time, everything everybody says or does just offends you, then that's a spirit of offense. And that spirit being on you will actually cause people to get offended at you. The dictionary defines an offense as a transgression or a violation or something that offends or displeases. Offense is a spirit that attaches to us when we entertain thoughts the enemy drops into our minds when someone says or does something to us that is offensive, hurtful, or unjust. At that split second, when we feel the pain, the hurt, or the offense, we make the choice to become offended or to reject that spirit and not become offended. There is a saying that 90% of the time when people hurt our feelings, they did not mean to do it. Of course, that does not keep what they say or do or neglect to do or say from hurting us. And if that hurt comes in an area where we were hurt before, the pain stabs it at us a lot deeper, doesn't it? There are several different words that are translated offense in Scripture. One of the words translated offense is scandalizo, which means tr to trouble or annoy. 
And the spirit of offense certainly does that. In Romans 14, 21, where it says, It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbles as or is offended, or is made weak. In this verse, the word translated offended is the Greek word scandalizos. And I cannot, I know I'm not saying that properly. But it means a cause of stumbling or leading someone astray. But the one I find most interesting is found in Matthew 18:7. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Here the word translated offenses is the Greek word scandalon, and it means to entice into conduct which will ruin the person in question. So in other words, to tempt someone to act in a way you know will ruin them. And isn't that exactly what the spirit of offense does? It causes you to act in ways that could ruin your witness for Christ. You cannot go around being offended all the time and be a witness for Jesus. You can't do it. And haven't we all had times when we became offended or angry and sometimes resentful? Because, you know, anger and resentment run hand in hand, and they progress into bitterness and unforgiveness. If you nurse them. And haven't we all had times when we were so angry at somebody that we just kind of nursed the anger and got angrier and angrier? But we've all had times when we became offended, angry, or sometimes resentful, and the Lord required us to go back and ask forgiveness of that person. I know I have. Back in, what year was it? I want to say it was 2007 or so. That happened to me several times, and I stopped. (laughs) I stopped acting like that, so I didn't have to go back and apologize anymore. You do feel a lot better when you apologize, though. We'll say that. It humbles you, but that's a good thing. And back then, because I was still fighting anger so often, I had a tendency to overreact, and that came from a background of abuse. I didn't overreact every single time, just sometimes. Just somebody, if somebody landed a hit on me in a place where I'd been wounded before, you know, that hurts a lot worse. You yell a lot louder, right? So how can we avoid getting offended to begin with or being angry? Jesus said that it was impossible that offenses would not come. So we know we're going to run into them. So how do we handle them? Is there anything that can make us immune to their effect? Maybe. Getting offended easily, like I said earlier, can be a sign that you have deep wounds or you have unforgiveness or you're not walking in love. It can be a sign that we're listening to what the enemy is telling us about what someone did or said to us. Although we're open to offenses, some people seem to get offended every single day at something or someone. And this is clearly a sign that something else is at work, something that is not good, usually a spirit of pride. Love tends to overlook offenses, but pride overlooks nothing. can also be very old wounds that have never healed and that are being constantly reopened. Offense is a fiery dart that we need to resist. Yes, there are times when people hurt us. And yes, there are times when people hurt us very badly and we think about it for years. We should tell them when they hurt us. Telling them gets the hurt off your mind. It gives them a chance to try to make what they did right. But then let it go and forget about it. To keep remembering it and thinking about it 
is what causes it to go to the next stage. Who was it? I can't remember now who it was that said that being, and, and if I'm not positive I'm quoting this right, but being angry is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah, that don't work real well. The enemy will often try to offend you through people that are very close to you and in an area where you've been hurt before because then it's so much deeper and it lasts longer. The closer the gun when the shot is fired, the more damage the bullet does when it enters. But if you stop the spirit of offense or the spirit of anger when it first shows up, you won't have to deal with it and you won't have it turn into resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will get you sent to hell, whether or not you believe in Jesus, because the rules are the same for everybody. He is the one true God, and you can worship him and believe in him or not. But if you have unforgiveness towards someone, you're going to hell either way. So I'm just telling you. John Bevere said in his book, The Bait of Satan, which is about offense, that how you respond to offense determines your future. And that is the truth. So let me tell you a few ways that I've discovered are effective against offense. Number one, develop your love walk. That's easier said than done if you have a past that's in abuse. It's very hard for people who have suffered long-term abuse to love. And I struggled really hard with a love walk for a long time. It's gotten better, but I mean, it was a fight, y'all. It was just a fight. And it's not that I don't love people. It's that I struggled to trust because of things that had been done to me. And sometimes I just had trouble with it, the whole thing. But I kept going back to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need help with this. I need help with this. I don't know how to do this. And I read in a book that we are not even capable of loving the way the Bible tells us to love. So we have to have his help either way. Sometimes not being able to love is not that we're failing personally. It's that we need healing from something that's happened to us. And your love walk also depends partly on how much understanding you have of who God is. It is much easier to love once you know him, the God of love, and you know him well. Your love walk also depends partly on whether you have what's called a dad filter. Our minds automatically associate things that are alike. God is a father, so we associate him with the dad that we have or had here on earth. The problem is God is a perfect father and earth fathers are not perfect. And since we met earth dad first, then we see daddy God through an earth dad filter. And this can cause bigger problems than you can ever imagine. If earth dad was always angry at us because we never measured up, we'll constantly be trying to measure up and expecting daddy God to be mad at us too. And Abba is not like that. But that's what we think dads act like. So then that becomes what we expect of him. I was that way with him at first. I was waiting for the hammer to drop all the time. But that's not who he is. However, he does have that side. Let me explain. If your parents spanked you, you will understand this. My my mother spanked us. <laughs> she, was, she was a disciplinarian and she was very good at what she did. I'm just going to say that. My mother loved us beyond anything except God. She loved her children second only to God. But she also 
would tan our little hides if we got out of line because she knew if she did not chastise us, then later on the world would. And God is the same way. He loves you beyond imagining, but he will chastise you if you are misbehaving. He will try to correct you. And what I've learned about God is this, and you will find this in scripture. I did not know I was going to talk about this, so I didn't look him up. God will always try to correct you to you first. And he's always talking. We're just not always listening. If you're out of line, you're doing something that's bad or you're headed in a bad direction. He will try to correct you to you. If you are not listening or you've refused to hear or receive the correction because he is merciful, he will try to correct you again by sending you a word through someone or he'll talk to you through a sermon, whatever. He will send you a word some kind of way. And then the third time, if you still refuse it or don't listen, a lot of times he will give you a word in front of the entire church. Now, if you don't go to church, you don't have to worry about that much, but it might be at your workplace if it's not at your church. He is very merciful and he is very long-suffering, but he does come to the end of that eventually. So just keep that in mind. Another thing I've found that helps in avoiding becoming offended and, and angry and all that is remember In every instance, it is not the person attacking us and hurting us. It is the enemy attacking us and hurting us. Once you learn that, it is a lot easier not to get offended or not to get angry or stay angry at someone. Offense is generally something we all deal with off and on throughout our lives. If you've suffered a lot of emotional wounds as a child or a young adult or you have a lot of healing left to do, you're going to find yourself having to fight this one a lot. And you're going to find yourself having to fight being angry or having angry outbursts. And if you have a serious anger problem, which I did for a long time, and you just blow up at people, you'll find it ruins relationships, sometimes past the point where they can be redeemed. God can always heal them. But people are not always willing to give you a second chance. Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. We have to be careful in our dealings with others. We don't know the extent each of each person's woundedness, and because we can cause them so much more pain if we are careless or if we take a rough approach, we need to really be careful. It is the love of God that heals others, not correction from us. And it is not us who should bring correction but the Holy Spirit. We can become prideful in thinking we know what this person or that person needs. And in proceeding to try to hammer our point home. And you know that's pride when you're always trying to correct somebody else but you can never take correction yourself. This is a word for somebody. This is not in my notes. That is pride. And God resists the pride. He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We may not even know what the real issue is when we're trying to correct someone. We, God does not need our help. Can I just tell you that? He is God all by himself. He does not need your help correcting somebody. 
So whoever that's for, there you go. Anytime we offend someone who is already wounded, their walls go up even higher. And that makes it harder not only for you to help them, but for anybody else to help them either. It enforces the issues they already have in trusting people, not to hurt them again or re-victimize them when you add to their already deep pain. That happened to me years and years ago when I was still so very wounded before God healed me. I kept going back to the Lord and saying, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. I don't want to carry these wounds. That abuse is over. I want you to heal me and help me to forgive. And he did. He did. I don't ever even think of it. I can't even remember the abuse anymore. You know why? Because in 1997, in Morgan City, Louisiana, I got on my knees when I found the scripture about forgiveness and that if you didn't forgive, you were going to hell. I hit my knees and I went over every name on my list of the people I thought I had unforgiveness towards. And then I got to my ex-husband. And he was the one that was hardest to forgive because I still remembered the abuse. And I remembered it clearly. And that night I told the Lord, I said, I'm not getting up off my knees until you help me forgive him because I am not going to hell for him. I went through hell with him. I'm not going to hell because of him. I'm not getting up off my knees until you help me. And I kept crying out to him. And about like maybe five minutes in, I felt the touch of God. And I saw some of the things that my ex-husband had gone through as a child, which I knew nothing about and have since found out are true. And God just, I don't know what he did, but in that moment, I forgave him. And when I forgave him, all the memories went with it. I mean, I still can occasionally remember something he did, but there's no emotion attached to it whatsoever. Can I just tell you that that night I got free? I got free. It is a torment to carry around what someone did to you because it's already done. You can't undo it. They can't undo it. Probably they want to. He did want to undo it, but he couldn't. It was already done. And I was horribly wounded from it, but it's gone now. I don't have it anymore. I don't have that pain. And the reason it's such a torment to carry it around is every time you think about it, you get angry all over again. Who wants to live like that? That is horrible to live like that. We're supposed to live our lives being joyful and happy. Because when you have unforgiveness, the Bible says you're handed over to the tormentors. And so it becomes a torment. And if you have unforgiveness long enough, it can manifest in your body as things like cancer. I'm going to tell you a story. I want to read you a couple more scriptures. Now I'm going to tell you a true story about something that happened to you. I've told it before on here. Those of you who have listened to me for years will recognize it. Psalm 37, 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. It means don't go around fretting and trying to plan evil against somebody. What a waste of time. Proverbs 15, 8. I love this scripture. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Sometimes it's not just what we say to somebody that upsets them or what they say to us, but how it is said. Our delivery is as important as the words themselves. Proverbs 14, 29, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. Proverbs 29, 20 says, See a man, thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. In Ecclesiastes 7, 9, 
says anger rests in the bosom of fools. I don't want to be a fool to y'all. Anger is one letter short of danger. And science has proven anger affects the body a lot like an overload of stress does. It increases your risk for a stroke or sudden death. And it leaves you open to blood sugar imbalance. And if it affects inflammation, thyroid, and blood pressure, among other things. Not good things. We don't want any of that, do we? While we're on the subject of anger, I would be remiss if I did not remind you the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger. There is a righteous anger, and here's how you tell the difference. If you are angry because someone is trashing Jesus or dishonoring him, that is righteous anger. If you are angry because something is being done to you, that is not the same thing. That is unrighteous anger. An unrighteous anger never renders a right result. Matthew 6.15, But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's the unforgiveness will get you to hell scripture. What keeps offense, anger, resentment, and bitterness growing until they become hatred and unforgiveness is one thing. It is remembrance. It is Satan standing there, turning on the replayer and just playing it over and over and over in your head. And you are letting him have free rent. It's turning over and over in our minds the wrong that was done to us, remembering the hurt, thinking about how offended we are by it, how the person should not have said or done what they did. Well, maybe they shouldn't have, but that's really between them and God. It's not for you to judge, okay? Every time you turn the hurt over in your mind, it gains more strength. It grows larger and more deadly. It gains more power. And all of that could be avoided if we would just start obeying this one little scripture, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Living in the land of remembrance, the land of the past, causes all kinds of problems. This was where the man of the Gadarenes lived. Remember that man of the Gadarenes who lived among the tombs? Luke eight twenty seven. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. And wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So he lived naked in the graveyard. That word tombs means remembrance. He was living in the land of remembering every bad thing that had ever been done to him, every hurt, every offense, until Jesus delivered him of that mental anguish. This is something that we do in our thought life. We remember, but we can choose to forget and the Lord can help us to do that. The Lord showed me in my spirit years ago a person in unforgiveness, and inside that person, their soul looked like a giant, ugly, festering wound. We don't want to look like that. (laughs) 
So how do we handle offense or anger and keep them from going any further? And before I give you these tips, they don't apply to the vaccine issue, just so you know. One, reject the spirit of offense or anger as soon as you know it's attacking you. The minute you begin to feel offended or angry, refuse it. Reject it and cast it down. Number two, get out in the open whatever that person did to you. When you expose sin, it loses a lot of its power over you. Confront them in respect, not in anger, instead of holding it inside and not saying anything. Do unto others. Remember, you would want them to come to you, right? Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear you, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto you as a heathen and a publican. Remember that a lot of the time people do not even realize they have hurt us or offended us. Give them a chance to make it right. That does not mean that person will ask your forgiveness. Quite the contrary, they may deny they did anything wrong, and I have had that happen, y'all. But it does not matter. What matters is that you did what the Bible says to do. Then let it go. Because once you have done what the Bible says to do, then your side of the street is clean. You've done what's required of you. It's in God's hands. And let me tell you, God can handle it far better than you or I can. And he will. There are a lot of people who are in prison today for murder who wish that they had done this, y'all. But they didn't. They lost their cool. They acted impulsively. And they took somebody's life instead of handling the anger or the offense. Practice Philippians 4.8. This means refusing to think the negative thoughts about what happened. It also means not discussing it with other people, which is also a hard part, especially if you're female, because we females tend to process things verbally. It's the way our brain works. But if you can do those two things, you can cheat the enemy out of causing anything past the initial offense and the victory will be yours. And then God will handle what happened. He will always pay people back for what they did to you, if you will keep your hands off it. If someone else is offended at you, there are also things you can do to help defuse the situation. You could ask their forgiveness whether or not you're guilty of something, because that opens the door for the Lord to work in their heart. You can praise God for the situation, which we know releases his power into any situation, no matter how bad it is or how far it has gone. You can remember Proverbs 15.1 that says a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And James 3.5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. The power of your words is great. You must always be aware of that. It is not wrong to tell someone how they offended you, but don't keep the fire going either in your heart and mind, or by lighting it in the hearts and minds of others by becoming a talebearer. The words of a talebearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You hurt people when you say ugly things to them. And we can all remember things that were said to us decades ago that hurt. I can. I can remember stuff from childhood 
And when I remember stuff like that, then I pray over it and I release it to the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive that person. That was a little kid who didn't even know what they were doing. Probably didn't even know they hurt my feelings. And even if they did, they were a little kid. And you can also, instead of being a talebearer, choose instead to speak nice things about the person when you talk about them and to think only on the good things about them. That protects you as well as other people. And I'll tell you something, you will never be sorry you did the right thing. But you will long and forever be sorry if you did the wrong thing and you keep on going. Confirm your love to that person in some way by thanking them for something, giving them a small gift, telling them you love them or whatever. It will help you to release it. You know, I met someone one time in Princeton, this really old man. This man was, he had to be close to 80, maybe in his 80s, I don't remember. And we had a talk one time. I bought some used furniture from him. He's a nice old guy. And I don't remember how we came upon this subject. But he was so angry at his father. Because when he was a child, he had done something. And his dad, like, chased him home uh, in the wagon or on a horse or something and hit him with a whip all the way home. That had to be unbelievably painful. And he had never forgotten it, but worse, he had never forgiven it. And I could hear the bitterness in him and the anger. His name was Charlie. And I said, Charlie, shouldn't you forgive him now? No, I'm never going to forgive him. And I explained to him that unforgiveness would send him to hell. He did not care. He was still angry. The last time I ever saw him, he was still so angry and so bitter about that. And that had happened, let's see, let's say he was 80 years old, because he had to be close, and it happened when he was approximately 10. He held on to that anger for 70 years. 70 years he carried that poison in his heart. And that was what filled his thoughts every day. You know, it could be a beautiful day around him, and that's what he thought about was how he got whipped. And you know what? His father had died decades before. It wasn't hurting his father. It was hurting him. It's like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You know, I heard a saying many years ago. I used to say this when I was in my 30s. Living well is always the best revenge. He would have been so much better off just to live his life and be happy. And and just let his father see that instead of seeing his anger. Because, you know, his dad was already dead. Charlie's heart, I think, was buried with him because Charlie never recovered from that. But he let it consume him. I don't understand how you can be angry at something that happened decades ago. You know, at some point you need to go, you know what, this is unhealthy. It becomes a mental illness after a while. He, he may have spent decades trying to get revenge on his dad. I don't know. And that is definitely a mental illness. You can become mentally ill from something that happened to you. Not from something that happened to you, but what you let it do to you. You can become mentally ill from letting something torment you because you refuse to let it go. Why? For the love of God, would you ever want to do that with your life? I've been hurt by a lot of people, y'all. You have too. My story is nothing compared to so many of yours. But you know what? We just have to go on. 
and live our lives. You have to release your desire to see that person paid back for whatever they have done to you, or you are still in unforgiveness. If you still desire to see payback in your heart, it's a sign you have not truly forgiven them. If when you remember what they did to you, you still feel anger, you have not forgiven them. If there is any emotion attached to it, you have not forgiven them. That is the unforgiveness test. Remember that 90% of the time, whoever hurt your feelings did not even mean to do it. Now, sometimes people did mean to hurt us. But, you know, sometimes something happened to us decades ago, and we're not the same person anymore. And they're not the same person either. Mike's husband hurt me a lot when we were together. And it took me a very long time to reach that point where I told God I had to, you know, I wanted him to help me forgive him. But you know what? As he matured, he became a better person. We were just very young when we got together. We both had issues that, you know, we didn't even know we had when we got married. So sometimes people hurt you because they're young and they, you know, they don't even know they have issues. We all know the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35. In the end, he was handed over to the tormentors. If we don't forgive, we are also handed over to the tormentors. We will be tormented while we are alive, and then we will be tormented forever by the demons when we die. You cannot have any peace when you have unforgiveness because it won't leave you alone. So I got to tell you all this story, and then I'm going to close. This is a true story. I read this story years ago in a book. There was a woman who headed a ministry of deliverance. One of her team members was stricken with uterine cancer. She sent the woman home to find out why the disease had stricken her because she believed there was some kind of moral failure or sin or something that allowed that door to be open so the devil could attack, right? As the woman, she went home and as she fasted and sought God, she discovered she had terrible unforgiveness against her former husband who had been unfaithful to her. And the unforgiveness, because being a romantic partner, had manifested a body part related to that. As soon as she forgave, she was miraculously healed, and she returned to her work in the ministry. And I will tell you, too, I have seen numerous people who had breast cancer, who developed breast cancer, women who developed breast cancer. Every single case I ever knew of had unforgiveness towards her mother, We don't want to hold on to unforgiveness, y'all. We don't want that. The woman who worked with that ministry did not even know she had not forgiven. Unforgiveness is a sneaky sin. It will hide from you. That's why you need to take the forgiveness test. Think about what happened to you. If you have anger or you have other emotions, you've got unforgiveness. Okay? And by the way, you can have unforgiveness towards your government. Y'all think about that towards a president, towards anybody. God showed me that years ago, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So I had to work on that one. A lot of people will say, well, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. And that they think as long as they say they've forgiven, that they've obeyed the Lord. But if they cannot pass the forgiveness test, they have not obeyed the Lord. They're just giving him lip service. When God forgives us, does he remember? No, the Bible says he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west, and that's a long ways. He cannot remember our sin once we're forgiven. Why would you want to remember? 
I want y'all to think about that. All right. I'm going to say a prayer now for all of you who have a spirit of anger. If you have a problem with anger, I want you to listen very closely. And I want you to pray this with me. I'm going to pray for you to get delivered from that spirit. We're just going to do a quick mass deliverance. I've never done that before. I don't think on this podcast, but we're going to do it now because I know what a difference it made in my life when I got delivered of that because I suffered from it for decades. I'd had it all my life from the time I was a child. I thought everybody had it. I didn't know any better. Okay, I want y'all to repeat this prayer after me. Lord God in heaven, I ask you to forgive me for the sin of anger. I repent for anger, and I'm going to try to do a lot better now, Lord. I'm going to try not to get angry. When anger comes upon me, I'm going to just reject it and cast it down and trust you to help me to leave it behind. I renounce the sin of anger. And I also, Lord God, repent on behalf of my forefathers for their sins of anger, not for them to be forgiven, because I know that's not possible. They're already gone. But I ask you to remove the iniquity of their sin of anger from me, from my life. And now in Jesus' mighty name, I command the generational curse of anger to be broken off me and off my life. In Jesus' name, I cast out anger and I cast out any demon that came in with anger in the mighty name of Jesus. And I command you to go immediately to the abyss and take your filth and your seeds with you. I chain you into the deepest, darkest pit in the abyss. And I command you to await the judgment of Almighty God there. You may not return to me, to anyone I love, anybody I care about, or anything I own for all eternity. You must await the judgment of the Most High God. Lord God, I thank you for your help and for the authority of the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't worry if you break that curse and it's not there because nothing will happen if it's not there. But if it's there and you don't break it, you can cast out anger until the cows come home and it's going to turn around and come back because the curse is an open door. That's the the reason that we did it that way. That's all I have for y'all this week. I hope that helped you. Lord, I lift up every listener to you right now. And you see, Lord, how they've struggled with this anger curse. You see, you see how they've struggled against this spirit of anger. And in Jesus' mighty name, I bind up every spirit of anger in every listener under the sound of my voice. They've broken the generational curse, Lord. I cast out the spirit of anger from every one of them. I bind it and I cast it into the deepest, darkest pit in the abyss and I chain it there. And I command you, anger, to stay there and await the judgment of the Most High God at the end of time. You may not return to them. You may not return to me, to anyone we love or anything we own for all eternity in Jesus' mighty name. And I plead the precious blood over these listeners right now. Thank you, Lord God, for blessing them, for keeping them, and for helping them to do better and better every day, Lord God. And we worship you always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, 
Arkansas 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Are there areas of sin in your life you just can't seem to overcome, no matter how hard you try? Many people live their whole lives under curses. Without understanding, they can be free. Learn what the scriptures say about curses and why they are still relevant today. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Learn how to defeat every curse through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you have the knowledge, you can break curses off your life and start experiencing breakthroughs like never before. In the book Loosed from Chains of Darkness, you will learn the basics of four different types of curses. Loosed from Chains of Darkness is the most comprehensive curse-breaking book on the market today. Get your copy of Loosed from Chains of Darkness by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are often times of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com sold out for 30 pieces of silver in exodus 21 32 it is the price of a dead slave in leviticus 27 2 through 7 it is the price of a live one jesus was sold for the price of a bond servant precious jesus the son of god the prince of peace the king of kings why did judas sell his friend out so cheap 